Hello, Hello. D&D players, enthusiasts, and observers alike, and welcome back to Chronicles of Kriath. My name is Emma, and I will be your DM today and every day that this wonderful campaign exists. Although, today I won't really be acting as your DM, as I will be more of a host for this wonderful Q&A session. We will be discussing our third arc of the campaign, which we just wrapped up last time. Whoop whoop. And in order to do that, uh, we're going to go ahead and go around and reintroduce our players for this evening. So without further ado, going to our left this time, we have a wonderful voice that you have not heard in quite some time at this point. Please welcome our special guest for the evening, Drake. Hello, everyone. My name is Drake Fires, and I'm played Donovan Thane. It is wonderful to be back. Hello, chat twin. <laughs> nah, fuck this guy. What the fuck is this guy doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, G, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> uh, what if I just straight up refuse? Um, no. <laughs> oh, then I guess we'll have to move on. No! <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm G. I'm here, uh, normally playing uh, Chatwin Darcy. Uh, I am just here as little old me today. Little old me, little old G. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the rhyming, the rhyming potential for I, I, I'm realizing I, I got a lot to work with here. I gotta, I, I gotta use it to the fullest extent. <laughs> Absolutely, and we love to see it, but. <laughs> For now, we will move on a little bit to our other lovely recurring guest for this past arc. Uh, please welcome Tyler. Hello, all. I am your friendly neighborhood himbo horseman, Carowin, and he is going to be away for now while I am here to answer some of your burning centaur questions. How do centaurs fit through windows? Why do centaurs fit through windows? When do centaurs fit through windows? All these questions and more will not be answered this evening. <laughs> Great to build up suspense. Uh, we'll definitely have to answer those questions at some point, though, for sure. And moving on to one of our regulars here on Chronicles of Kriath, uh, your favorite dad of the party and his player, Jeremy. Hello everybody, I'm Jeremy and I play Damien. And I have a question. What the hell is Thane doing here? You're, you're the bad guy. Why the hell are you here answering questions? Somebody's gotta keep an eye on you lot. Oh, I'll keep an eye on you, alright? I'll cut your eye out and carry it with me. Yeah. Promises, promises. <laughs> okay, okay. And with that... <laughs> last but certainly not least... We have Rosie. Hi, I'm Rosie. I usually play Elon on Chronicles of Kriath. Um, I'm not going to be him today. And uh, I'm not going to go into oppressions, I hope, like the others. Fair enough. Uh, it's very rare that we get to not do our character voices. So uh, we will embrace that a little more this evening as we get into our discussion. But... To start it off, how are we all feeling about the end of this arc, guys? Uh, <laughs> I am... <laughs> Look, we're tired. I'm tired. I'm ready. 
to kill this man and a bunch of other people. <laughs> there's there's a lot there's a lot happening, and I feel like we ha- still have so much to do. You know? Oh, definitely. At least we're not dead. At least you're not dead. Better than we could say about the Strahd campaign we played for one day. Oh, gosh. Uh, speak for yourself. Chatwin might have some uh, things to say about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. At least we're not all completely dead. <laughs> you know, Chatwin's not completely dead. She's, like, mostly dead. I'm not super alive, but I'm not super dead. We're... That's a thing. <laughs> it's co- it's complicated. It's complicated. Oh yeah, Chowen is a very complicated character to begin with. No clue what you're talking about. Uh. <laughs> and t- and Tipsy likes cold roast beef. <laughs> what? I said I Tipsy. Tipsy likes cold roast beef. Okay, thanks. Yeah, we didn't need that. <laughs> it's a food preference. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Not proper timing, Jeremy. <laughs> Bad dad. Bad dad. Someone get a spray bottle. <laughs> oh, Rose, you're in the same room with him. You gotta get out the spray oh, bottle. Hold on, hold on. I'm getting up. Getting up. Hold on. I got it. She won't do that. She's in too much pain to make a mistake like that. <laughs> She's not gonna do that. Bink. <laughs> If you spray me in the woman, if you spray me in this headset comes undone, you're gonna have problems. Oh, it's empty. Okay. A riveting start we're ha- we having right now. The, this is the ridiculousness. Well, we had we had the proofer in the same room, so there it is. I'm on. You're probably gonna hear my hyena laughter. Maybe I don't know. Depends on how I edit it. If you didn't get it, then uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, to kind of expand on that question, I know this was a crazy arc for everyone. Uh, I'd love to go around the table and talk a little bit about what the biggest sort of transformation or change for each character has been throughout this arc and how it's affected them. Ooh, 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 I got one. It's not about Elon though. Um... Chatwin has definitely going through her rebellious teenage years once again. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, fair. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bit of a crisis there after the Andrus Isle bit. Mm, 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 mm. Well, I mean, it's. Uh, I think she's. She doesn't. She doesn't know. It's. It's kind of a weird relationship with herself, I guess. Because it's, it's a very, obviously a very uh, horrifying situation. But, like, I don't know. It's almost like she's going back to who she used to be, but also straying away from that. Because for all those years uh, in the sanatorium, um, I mean, she was a thrall. She was uh, just a body. Uh, her, like, mind and soul wasn't occupying it. She was just a thrall. So she was... Just stand there silently till someone tells you to do something. Go do that. When that task is completed, resume standing silently. So it's mm-hmm. definitely it's definitely a lot of like I'm gonna make a bunch of big personality choices because I can I can feel again, and I've confronted some of the things that I left behind uh, on the Andrus Isle. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make some I'm gonna have a loud personality for a while. <laughs> Fantastic. 
And we definitely love seeing that change in Chatwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it has made for a lot more chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, wa- she just wants to feel like a person again, you know? Mm-hmm. And however she's going about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is really no wrong way yeah. to go about that, especially with all of the traumatic stuff that Chatwin went through. Yeah. As we learned. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're definitely right there. Uh I mean, I feel like they're still, with, depending on how things go with Santhific, I feel like at the end of the line, however far away that is, whatever the relationship with Santhific is could spell out really big changes for Chatwin, of course. If it's, uh, I have have a lot of thoughts about it, but yeah, I think that is going to be one of the biggest deciding factors on what other kind of big change is going to happen, because... She's not done. I think there's still going to be some other, like, I guess, transformation going on. Um, I don't think we're done yet. <laughs> oh, you definitely are not done yet. Oh, no. <laughs> there's, there's some shit coming. And that's not ominous at all. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who else wants to go? Damien, I'd say we had a pretty interesting shift with you sort of finding divinity. Uh I would say that Damien has changed quite a bit, specifically in the fact that he's becoming more accustomed to magic in general, right? So he's getting more into d- using his magic, um, and he, with the help of, like, Dale through from the last arc, he has started very much diving into, hey, I have a god who talks to me, this is cool as hell, right? And... Part being pissed off that the these people bring back or like somebody brought back his wife in the first arc, then they kidnapped his like newly adopted son in the second arc. He wants to kill Thane. Okay, Thane, did you have words? <laughs> yeah, shithead, you got any words? I mean, fair, like fair. <laughs> I'm going to rip your skull out of your face. And piss in it for the rest of my life. I mean, everyone, every everything, you know, is a bargaining chip when you really get down to it. And when you think of things from that perspective, you know, Rubo's, you know, you don't know where he is. I still want to use your skull as my personal toilet. And if your skull is still alive, even better, because then you can complain about it. <laughs> oh, boy. If if my character's fate ends up being a, a shaman head doll on Chatwin's hip that just never shuts up and gives her like little quips for the rest of the campaign, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I mean, I already got I already got Jameson's fucking face on my belt, um, but that's not really anything that like talks. It's just kind of a nice thing for me to have. Um, (laughs) look, it's, you can go the whole revenge, um, arcs that some characters have of like, oh, you know, even if I kill you, it won't change what's happened, da 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 that's nice and all, but so is wearing their face on your person for the rest of time, you know? (laughs) That's very fair. And I'm just saying. Thane can just become Mimir from Norse mythology, just cut off his head and just, (laughs) like you said, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah what are you doing i taught you how to do better state graph than that <laughs> i mean i have so many thoughts about uh chatwin and just the nature of the conflict between the thane family and everything uh but that's for later 
<laughs> oh, absolutely. Because especially since Thane's not dead, there is still a Thane to deal with. But yeah, I have, I have, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Elon, uh, how would you say you've changed throughout this arc? It feels like Elon. I don't know. In my eyes, Elon. I feel like Elon's going through kind of uh, two types of situations. One where he actually feels like the dad sometimes, <laughs> and he's just, you know, like, um, what have I gotten myself into? The other part is I'm a criminal. I I I should not go home. Um, and that was really kind of like. If, when I sat and thought about it, uh, you know, pretty much after they go to that village and hide out for a month, that's where it, really what he had to deal with was, you know, I, I'm a criminal. Like, what if Kriya does hear about this? Are they going to let me back in? Is is this going to be the one excuse my family does use basically to get rid of me? What does that look like? Because... I know a lot about Kreef, but I'm not sure how much Elon knows. So, like, I don't know. Do they send assassins after each other over each other? Is that a thing? Because if so, then his family would not hesitate to be like, oh, yeah, we don't need dirt on our nice white robe. So, well, that'll be something that you'll definitely have to find out once we get closer to. I'm, st- I'm still not ready. <laughs> once we get closer to returning to Kreef, that'll be a trip. Oh, it absolutely will. And we also had a new cast member join us this arc in Carowin. So, uh, Tyler, how do you feel that Carowin's kind of settled in to this interesting group so far? Well, I feel like I feel like it's hard to say a little bit just because I feel like that's a question better left to the group itself to decide how well he's fitting in. Uh, I would say that Carwin himself feels like he's fitting in pretty well. He went on a journey with them. He's getting to know them. Been palling around with Chatwin and her sass. Uh, and it's been going pretty pretty well there. He was impressed that she drank him under the, the table so handily that time. <laughs> um, so... I would say, like, so far, Carwin, it feels like he's kind of getting, a, is pretty accustomed-ish with the group. I mean, obviously, there's some stuff that he doesn't know that uh, Aliana didn't know either. So, obviously, like, things that happened before, like, when everyone else was kind of bonding and everything before they met her, he's completely, like, out of the loop of that. But he thinks he's starting to learn a little bit more about the group and what's going on and um, a little bit more about their personal struggles and everything and how that's kind of coming together with what he's kind of his position that he's come in to kind of take over for her and to help be a bit of a, a guide and an aid. So we'll see if there are more opportunities for him to kind of, well, I, you know, I say that, but I feel like he's been showing his talents pretty, pretty well with, uh, I've got to mention it, horse pretzel. <laughs> our pretzel horse. Um, we love our horse pretzel. <laughs> yes, and then his his spider horse moment. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> which honestly, I couldn't have been happier that the uh, the dice kind of gave me <laughs> what it gave me because that that was the highlight. I was like, you know, let's 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 do this because he is a fae, and so 
he's he's unconventional if nothing else perhaps due to just things being so topsy-turvy in their own way in the Fey realm so i think he's having fun with it because with his position he doesn't really get to he doesn't stay long he doesn't stay long usually it's get in get what he needs to get and get out mm-hmm. so this is definitely something that's new to him and exciting in its own way so i think that perhaps even regardless of how well he's fitting in he's using this opportunity to kind of soak up these new experiences outside of the fey realm and actually get to kind of know more of this realm in the process absolutely and speaking on aliana rosie how has elon kind of been we haven't checked in with him to see how he's kind of been coping with the fact that Aliana chose not to come back and instead sent Carolyn <laughs> in her place. <laughs> That's such a loaded question. <laughs> I don't want to answer. <laughs> um, I think a small bit of Elon is like really in love with Aliana, honestly. Um not not like, you know, we're gonna get married or anything, but like it's his first real friend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's his first real friend, and like he just fucking he, he lost her, <laughs> and it was his fault. So she's he's basically going, "Is she gonna be mad at me? We're probably not friends after this. What do I do?" I, it, it's such a cop. I think I think Galen is is pretty much pushing it back in his mind, going, "I'll deal with it when I deal with it." That's this kind of guard mentality. Of, you know, oh, well, guard kept, you know, the the marshal called me in. Well, am I getting fired? What's going on? And he just, you know, don't, don't think about it. Just try not to. Got it. Yeah, that's definitely a rough one, especially since it's kind of hard for, based on where you guys are, to just pop back to the Feywild to try and talk to her or anything like that. But, alrighty. And the last person that we haven't necessarily spoken to... Uh, Drake, I know Thane was only there for a little bit, Mm -hmm. but what's his mindset based on all of these events? This party basically came in and turned everything upside down a little bit and then dipped. Well, Thane, Thane kind of had, um, he had a unique relationship with Chatwin specifically because there was a lot of things going on that Chatwin wasn't necessarily privy to. Chatwin was coming into apprenticeship with me, with my character, um, and her grandfather was really good at statecraft. But and while she started to embrace some of the things that were going on, like some of the ways I was teaching her, she wasn't privy to some of the background noise that I was involved with. And so when we finally get to the point where I was trying to entice her to come back. Uh, when we got to the that one split where I entertained a diplomatic offer and I got met with complete silence from the entire party, which was very uncomfortable. And then seeing Chatwin just start cackle laughing with no context. It kind of took that part off the table because I'm like, okay, these aren't these people are here to like be insane. They're not here to talk. So and then that kind of led to the death of Jameson, which in a very odd sense, was almost peaceful for him because it took a situation that he was trying to fix, like a, that looked bad upon him because Jameson was never really uh, someone that he then considered to be proud of. It was a son, obviously, but like it's not like he did anything to 
Oh, you mean Jameson wasn't the poster child for no. any noble? <laughs> In fact, like he, Thane realized too late that he didn't raise Jameson correctly, and the things that he tried to guide him towards with the cruelty, um, like Thane, how that's how Thane was molded, so that's how he molds other people. He realized that he, while Jameson picked up his cruelty, he did not pick up his mind mm. and his taste for politics. And that led to a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, because Jameson was... Because Donovan Thane was... Um, I mean, this was in in the in kind of inception for writing him in. Um, I have to say, I love the direction of um, uh, that you're taking Donovan. It's great. But like I know in the inception, Donovan Thane, he was he was that he was an extremely smart, cruel, like politically aligned person, like very charismatic, very manipulative. Like he was like he's an evil bastard, of course. Yeah, absolutely. But he's really, really good at being evil without people noticing. Mm -hmm. And Jameson was just like you. That's a really good way that you put it. He inherited all the cruelty without any of like the smarts or charisma or anything to back it up. He was just. A horrible horrible cruel young man and Chatwin wasn't the first of like the apprentices or like um like the house servants or anything that he tormented she just happens to be the one he set his sights on for that time and unfortunately his fuck-ups um fucked Chatwin up oh absolutely I was gonna say like he's he's actually really a pretty like how do you say like one of those good infamous villains and stuff that you see because when you think about it, like, you know, every Batman has its Joker and stuff in this. He feels more like the BBEG of the entire campaign at this point, especially since he's still alive. Yeah. And it, it's going to, oh, it's going to be really, it's got to be epic when we fight him finally. Oh, yeah. Well, when uh, Emma presented the character to me, she said, I want you to make a character, number one, that uh, can stand on its own. It is a highly functional character because I want the character to have depth. I want the character to have meaning. I want the character to invoke emotion and invoke our role play and to create choices and create dynamics and steel sharpening steel situation. And I want you to create a character that is smart, that is sly, that is underhanded, that is a mage because he is from a township and a place where the political power of the, the region is built upon being a mage. And in basically create a character that spent his entire life pretending that he is good while simultaneously being rotten to the core. Just pure evil portrayed as a good aligned paladin as character to the people so that he can remain in power. And so that's kind of the direction I took with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think it's great. I love the I love the character a lot. Um, as a villain, of course, I think he's a fantastic character, and um, I love to hate him. <laughs> it's it's great. I do. I I despise this guy, but I'm like, I mean, I kind of I kind of provided like the building materials for it, so like this is no one's fault but my own. Uh. <laughs> oh, you absolutely did, and I was going to ask because, gee, you had no idea that I was bringing in a guest to play Donovan, and um, I remember you mentioning at one point that you thought he was just going to be some guy. He wasn't going to be that powerful. So I'm intrigued to see like what the key difference is between what you had in your head versus how Donovan appeared in the in the campaign are mm -hmm. 
Well, so originally writing um, the whole, because I think there's there's definitely two parts to like Chatwin's downfall into sort of the multi-minded undead creature she is now. And it was, the first part was the extreme manipulation by the Thanes. And the second part was the like physical torments in the sanatorium. And I love the part of, I love that first part because it was so instrumental to just ruining Chatwin because it's, it was very much the situation of Chatwin was barely an adult going into the world with bright eyes and like fresh ideas and just so fascinated with, she wanted to be like a court wizard. She wanted to get involved with politics and she wanted to research the arcane and that's what she grew up with. She was, um, she wasn't, she's not the only magically inclined individual in her family, but she was the only like sorcerer. Um, and was very, that was like her life's goal. Um, and it was a very pure and it was a very hopeful, optimistic, like life was going so well and she was so excited to see how much better it could get. Cause in her mind, when she went to apprentice with the Thanes, it was, this is it. This is the first step towards something amazing. Um, and she was just someone, she was just unfortunately another person that just got preyed upon by someone who saw that she didn't know much about this world and was like, oh, I'll use her as another stepping stone towards something bad that I want. Um, and I can get away with it because what can she do? Because she was this young, naive, um, young woman who put her trust in someone that didn't deserve it. And it's, uh... I, it's it's a very horrible um, downfall, but it's one that I'm so obsessed with just because the whole nature of it. Um, and I do really like the direction Donovan took of him being someone really formidable and powerful because that's even if he was just like a guy, like I always imagined him just being some evil scheming politician and was really powerful in like a politics sense. But that was it. But I feel like him being like a powerful, arcane individual, whatever class he's more aligned to, <laughs> I feel like that also really works because that is, no matter what, no matter what level of power he would have, that's how Chatwin sees him. She would never, ever admit it, of course, but that it's it's one of the scariest things in the world to her is Donovan Thane. She's so terrified of him. Because he instilled such deep paranoia and fear in her over the course of years before finally introducing her to the worst years of her life. Um, she fears no one more. And yeah, again, even if he was just some guy, she she would see him as this hulking, all-powerful, horrifying villain. Because that's what he is. Just to add on, just to, add on to that, it, when you think about it, how many others has he tried or done so to? Mm -hmm. Like you. Yeah, the sanatorium is his domain, yeah. Yeah, I might I might have started shit just popping ideas. Like, I just got a whole bunch of ideas. It's like, oh my god, we can meet another chat when, who's got another bean inside of them. And that's... <laughs> Um, very terrifying. <laughs> we definitely don't need two Santhaveks unleashed along the world. It might not be a Santhavek. I mean, it might be like, you know, something 
kind of like Rubo a little bit, like flirty in the head and shit. And you just got someone flirting all the time. Every time you say something, they flirt. And you're just like, shut up. After a minute, they're like, you talking to yourself? Nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're so right though because she absolutely wasn't the sanatorium is his like property that's his he owns it and it's like under the guise of oh this is my building of um healing and rehabilitation and everything um it's absolutely not of course um but yeah that's where a lot of people that he would deem unworthy or people that he would deem enemies in some way or people that he simply thought were curiosities that he wanted to push the boundaries with, which is, I I would say, what Chatwin falls into the realm of. Um, they get sent there to fuel his little experiments that he's pursuing. Um, so yeah, she's absolutely, absolutely not the only one. And yes, she has definitely seen many people just like her while she was there. Not since she left. Uh, don't know if that'll happen. Kind of don't want it to. Kind of afraid of it now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there were almost everyone in there was in the exact same boat as her. And to that point, Emma gave me artistic license to kind of take the character's backstory, take your backstory and put a reason to it so that he actually is the reason he's doing what he's doing, which you have yet to uncover that. Um, but there is very specific reason that he did what he did to you. And it, um, so Exploring that in the future is going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And getting to give G that final full backstory once once we get into that. And then if there's like eight paragraphs now. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's there is a lot there. I did not expect Drake to come back to me with a full backstory for an NPC I was having him guessed as. Love it. But oh yeah, I'm excited to learn more about it. It no matter what it is, though, um, and I feel like it's perfectly reasonable. No matter what it is, no matter what they learn, though, Chatwin will always condemn him. Uh, there's not a chance in the world. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, good for her. Uh, <laughs> support women going on rage-fueled revenge missions. Not everyone needs to be forgiven. Yeah. No, 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 no. We're gonna Put the her ass. back in manslaughter. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. There's something so LGBT about Chatwin and her revenge mission. I can't phrase it. I don't know how to put it, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. So now that we've explored like character changes and stuff, I'm curious to know what you guys kind of expect for your characters or are thinking of as you head into this next arc? Well, there is a lot to do. I feel like first we're probably going to have, like, I feel it'd be best to deal with Donovan as soon as possible, but that might not be possible. Then we have Jeremy's home, and then I imagine I'm going to get a letter saying I need to come home very soon, so that's not great. Uh, so there's there there it's there's a lot that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, there is a lot kind of in place for different paths you guys could travel, especially for Elon with like the possibility of needing to go back home. Jeremy, how's Damien kind of looking at what's coming up? Well, I got a letter. That's kind of pressing. And then I have to still sweat 
over having sent a hag to negotiate with my patron deity. <sighs> and we still haven't found the chaos lady that we're, that my patron told me to find. There's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is is going to be a, a juggle fest. Oh, definitely. There's a lot of different goals out on the table right now. Well, as Damien would say, suck it up, shrug it off, and keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. G? I, I feel like there's a, quite a lot that could happen. It's, in terms of Chatwin and Santhavik, at least, so far their relationship is kind of steered towards a bit more of a positive one. I really liked the moment of Chatwin speaking with her uh, several sessions back and explaining that she appreciated not being by herself in the sanatorium, as frightening as it was to first learn of Sandavec. Um, having that moment of saying, I don't know if I ever thanked you for that. Because there were absolutely moments of um, Sandavec just completely taking over to give her a break when she didn't have to, and she did anyways. And we, uh, Sandvik, uh, is a bastard and a bitch, but, uh, <laughs> um, it's clear, it, at least it feels like at this point, it's clear there is some sort of care between the two of them for the unique situation they found themselves in, to where they are sort of looking out for each other. And so I definitely feel like their relationship is a bit more positive right now. And where that could go further down the line, it, it depends. Because both of them have the goal of separation, of course. Um, whether that will be a relief. This is assuming that it does happen. If there is some sort of opportunity to get them out of each other's heads. Whether that will be like a relief thing or like a sad thing. It remains to be seen. But I think that's still like their ultimate goal. Like right now they're both very focused on taking out um, Donovan Thane and then the Arcanist over at the sanatorium. Once the dust is settled from those two encounters, it is kind of like, okay, uh, now what, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Where exactly do we go from here? Because we're not much closer to figuring out the solution to our original problem than we were before. So unless we figure something out along the way, it's... Yeah, they're really, they're really the only goal is just the really consuming revenge right now. And then Chatwin's need to just protect what family is left. And those are kind of the only two things that are goals right now. Everything else feels kind of secondary. Interesting. And elaborating on that a little bit, like, it must have been really interesting, like, seeing Chatwin's family kind of come into the picture. Since, especially since a lot of the times, like... Uh, PCs with very tragic backstories don't have that parental <laughs> presence yeah. or familial presence in the way that Chatwin kind of had with her family, especially after she broke them out of prison and everything. So how does Chatwin plan to, like you said, you're trying to protect the family that you have left. Is she trying to do that by going after Donovan or... I think that's part of the re ways she's justifying going after Donovan. Um, like, she wants to restore them to the Andrews Isle and leave them in peace. If everything were to go perfectly, Donovan would end up dead. Her family would regain control of the Andrews Isle and she would just disappear. She is, um, it is, it is great that her family is, um, very loving and very close-knit. 
Chatwin wouldn't willingly go back to them if at the end everything worked out for a long while. The only reason she went back now is because the danger that was happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely think going after Donovan is probably the main way in her head she's protecting. She doesn't know what else to do. Absolutely. And that is definitely an interesting observation because it's almost like what else can Chatwin do at that point if Donovan is the main threat? But Carolyn, I know you're a bit newer to the group and got swept up in all of the shenanigans. But uh, what does Carolyn kind of have his sights set on moving into this next arc? So that's a fantastic question because he really just kind of came in like a, a whirlwind in a way and has been swept up in a lot of shenanigans so far. I mean, <clears throat> met the group, immediately pretty much going into a plague-infested town, nearly dies in the desert, meets a hag... <laughs> You know, loses 10 years of memories, (laughs) loses 10 casually, just loses 10 years of memories. Eh, You know, because and I don't think I've ever mentioned I forget exactly how old I made him, but he's he's like over 100 years old. So he's like compared to everyone else, except for maybe Santhavec old. Um, And fun fact, he is younger than Aliana, actually. So Aliana is older than he is. So. With that being said, you know, this is kind of like, in part, this is kind of a blip on the radar for him because of his lifespan and how old he can get. And I think he's trying to use this as an opportunity to, excuse me, really just kind of see what's out there. And by continuing in Aliana's stead, kind of sate his curiosity while also kind of just really, I guess it would be more like status curiosity of all things, um, while still or moving with a group that is significant or important. You know, they did save the Fey Realm and everything like that. And, you know, Elon was is a friend, though he thinks was at this point <laughs> a friend of Aliana. <laughs> so with that being said, getting to know this person on his own terms and personally rather than just say through stories and things like that, uh, considering how Aliana is a good friend of Carolyn as well. So he's really kind of hoping to just get more of a feel of the world beyond the Fey Realm, as, again, he really ends up kind of going in, going out, going in, going out. So he doesn't get to stay very long. So this is a major kind of cultural and in some ways emotional shift because the pharaoh is so different their customs are so strange to so many other people their perception in the passage of time is so different and i would say that's very interesting for him to see in some ways perhaps the desperation <clears throat> with which people live their lives in the mortal realm by or mortal plane by comparison not saying that the Fae don't care about their own lives and, you know, life in general. They're very attuned to life in a lot of ways. It's just that the passage of time and the value and the way they solve their problems or address it is a bit different. And so I think that 
by staying out in this space, he gets a very different perspective on those who are less long-lived, their perspective of both time and the value of, or importance or significance of the time that they spend doing these things. Because Faye lived for so long, it's like, okay, well, it's like, oh, I don't get to see you for like 50 years. No big! You know, it is what it is. But then if that were to happen in the mortal plane, it's you've lost basically most of your life or they could be dead for all you know, <laughs> depending on yeah. how old they were. So it's like, what seems like a blink of an eye to the Fae is in most cases a lifetime or most of a lifetime for somebody else. So <clears throat> I think that to circle back, I think that he expects to kind of deal with some of the problems of the party because he was appraised of just like, hey, stuff's going down <laughs> and we're doing this thing. So we got to we got to keep it going here. Uh, part part being that and also on his own kind of own personal level, just <clears throat> being able to kind of soak up this experience and reflect on it kind of like almost like an exchange program, uh, I would say is kind of maybe the best way I could word it. It's not permanent. It's not forever. Yet, part of the goal of an exchange program is to learn more about where you're going, embrace some of that culture, and have an experience that is different from your own, thus becoming a more, say, worldly person and a person who is more, I would say in some ways, self-aware too. So I think that he's hoping that through this experience, he aims to grow in a different way using this opportunity that probably not many, if any, of his peers have really had. So, you know, surprisingly deep for our, you know, kind of <laughs> our himbo, himbo centaur. But he, he has big brain. He thinks big thoughts. <laughs> We love all of Carowind's big brain moments and especially seeing like that's an interesting way to compare it because I never thought to think of Carowind's appearance there as kind of like an exchange program. But you're honestly right because Aliana basically was like, okay, I'm tagging out of this. I'm I'm sending you in because I know you'll take care of them and... And they'll befriend you pretty easily since we're friends, but that's not necessarily how it worked out at all. Right. <laughs> Bar fights unite people. <laughs> I guess so, because everyone was super suspicious of Carowin right at the beginning. Yes, I think rightfully so. We <laughs> had no choice, <laughs> really. That's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But I'd say he's pretty affable. He's pretty, pretty nice, pretty fun. He's a pretty flexible person, both literally and metaphorically. Oh, definitely. So yeah, that's where that's where I am with that. Yeah. And with that, uh, since we've been chatting for a bit here, uh, I know that some people had some questions for to pose to the group or for me. So I'm going to open it up to everyone else to ask questions at this point. Who's first or I'm going first? No? Okay, fine. Well, um, Tyler, <laughs> is Carolyn like a spy or something? Like, what does he do? Like, what is his profession? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Okay, sure. So, and see, this is the bad part. I was like, I forgot my actual notebook for this, but I, I still remember 
like most of his backstory and everything. So he is like a ranger for the like kind of like a rescue ranger for the Fae. So he works in either solo or part of small squads. So the Fae will travel to the different planes and like get things, especially like those who work in his court, which I believe is the summer court, right? With all the flowers and everything. Did I remember that right? Spring court. Spring court. Okay. Darn it. I said the other S. So the spring court where they do a lot of work with like the flowers. So they collect flowers from all the different realms in their very elaborate displays and in their garden and everything in their botanical gardens. And not all of the realms are so hospitable, let's say. So <clears throat> those who operate like in the same capacity he does will basically go to where they are and conduct kind of rescue operations uh, to get back anybody who's in any Fey who are in danger, distress calls, and then take them back to the Fey realm or defend them from danger so they can finish their job. And then GTFO. So uh, there are there are some of the few Fey who have kind of permission from the courts to exit the realm and kind of traverse somewhat freely um, as you know there's and we try to do it stealthily because um for the you know kind of we might say embargo on going across realms it's kind of a no-no and you know the less other people know the better <laughs> for everybody just saying so yeah, so his job is basically rescue missions to ex extractions. There we go, extractions. So he's a rescue ranger, power ranger, combo spy. He's not really. He's a he's a Navy SEAL. That's what he is. He's a Navy SEAL. My God. <laughs> there we go. Except he don't blend in. I would say he's not very. He, I wouldn't say he's very much of a spy. I don't think he fits in well enough to really be much of a a spy sword though he has amazing <laughs> amazing stealth and dexterity skills spider horse and <laughs> horse can, can i ask you a question are you afraid sure go go ahead go ahead so you said you said that it's like really bad to tell people about the fair realm and stuff like that caterwin's told like Three people, other than the party. <laughs> that is a fair point. <laughs> that is a fair point. He hasn't been. He hasn't been in these other places that long. And also, judging from how people kind of treated him when he got there, he kind of feels that most people are probably treating him like a fever dream, or like, oh, whatever. So, yep. He, you know, like the and and considering how like even Elon's like, you know what, horseman. Okay, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> like, most people have kind of just thrown their hands up at Carowin and just like, you know what? Sure. Sure, Jan. Sure. So he he sticks to the premise of hiding in plain sight, which means he's either really good at what he does, or he's an absolute amateur. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I haven't... I'm not sure which one he is, to be honest. But I... So it's like it's like Schrodinger's cat, but for his skill. It's is he good? Is he really bad? Nobody knows. <laughs> well, you got my thumbs up. Yes. So so yeah, rescue rescue ranger, power ranger. It's like he's like a mega part megazord because he's got the horse part. <laughs> Transform. 
Damien's trying to make you some new horseshoes. Magical ones. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did mention that. I'm not sure... I'm not sure if Carolyn would necessarily wear them, per se. Just because I don't think many Fae really wear that. Also, depends on what you're making them from, too. <laughs> so... So... He just hands some cold iron. And it's like... Carowin just grimaces like, thank you so much, as it literally is burning the palms of his hands. <laughs> Throws him away very big second. As soon as Damien like looks to the different to the side, jump on him on that quick, holy shit. It's like, yeah, that no, was great. Yeah, fantastic. Loved him. Best gift ever. Thank you. <laughs> oh, gosh. I guess at this point, any other burning Carowin questions? Or questions in general. I got a question for the dungeon master. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Those kind of like, you're going to veto or not veto questions. One, is Santavec liking the party more? She seems so much more nice. Yeah, but something I think most of us really forgot is there was a whole morning of Santavec talking to, you know, Chatwin and... Though the the party didn't hear it, you know, chat one did, and it was kind of a you. I decided to side with you instead of taking their deal. Now you need to kind of hurry up and do the deal, or I'm gonna go. And, and there's like, I know she's itching to get out and especially talk to us, but when I went, maybe it's because I get to re-listen to everything. I hear the inflection of everybody's because I edit it all. But I'm like, oh no. Um, Santa Fec is going to be business soon. Holy shit. Well, and I think that's an interesting way to observe it, Rosie, because it is Santa Fec is not a kind individual as you guys saw when she did take over Chatwin's body for a few minutes while on the boat. Uh, which was already terrifying enough. Like, she doesn't respect life, respect boundaries and things like that in the same way that many others do. And so it's it's interesting to sort of see that coming through. And I'm glad that it's being caught on to that there's this element of, while maybe she appears nicer, she is very used to manipulating and uh, exerting power to get what she wants. Especially when, at times, like, Chatwin has allowed her to take over her body. Like, what Santa Beckett does in that moment may not necessarily be what Chatwin does. But Santa Beck does know that for the time being, until they find somehow some way to remove her from Chatwin's brain so that the body is no longer shared, then, like, she's gonna itch to get out if she's not allowed that opportunity. Which I'm intrigued to see how... That's a good question for Chatwin. Is Chatwin going planning on letting Santavec out anytime soon? Whether it be to talk to the party or just stretch... stretch her legs and exist outside of the... the brain... Damien wants to drink with her. It's been a thought. I mean, Chatwin fully does, she does fully intend on making good on her promise. Whenever they face the Arcanist, um, Chatwin's gonna let her have it. Um, she does fully intend on making good on that promise. But there is the 
Because Chatwin knows. Chatwin knows what Sandovex about. And even though there is a bit of a kinship at this point, um, she's not gonna just totally trust her completely. Um, and it's, and that's partially to blame for, um, Donovan as well. It's a thing of like, I'm not gonna make this same mistake again. So I've, so letting her out to hold up my end of the deal, to let her get the Arcanist, for sure. I, um, I think that absolutely will happen. Letting her out in a very casual way, just to say hi, eh, that's a very, very big maybe. Very, like a very hesitant maybe. But it's also a thing of like, the more I don't let you, it means the next time I do let you, you it's gonna be that much harder to convince you to turn it back over. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, I don't have any, I don't think Chatwin has any plans to allow that to happen in such a casual way anytime soon. Um, just cause she, it's that, she does have that thought of, I may never get it back. <laughs> Which would be absolutely terrifying, for sure. Who else has questions? I just had a comment kind of on that too, because it's it's interesting to see their dynamic. I mean, Carowin as a character is completely, well, maybe not completely, but by comparison to what maybe Aliana has observed is much more clueless <laughs> regarding that relationship and, you know, more of the <clears throat> intimate details of Santhavex nature and everything. I just found it interesting with some of the dialogue that we've heard between Chapman and Santhavec being a bit more just kind of like, maybe not friendly, but much more, say, kind of amicable banter. And I think there was at least one time where Santhavec almost could have possibly come off as perhaps caring or compassionate with saying, like, if you need me to take over, I can do that for you. You know, just kind of saying that I am available for you as a resource, which all things considered, yes, Santhavec would gain a lot by having control of a body, such as Chatwin's, which is a pretty sweet deal in and of itself. Uh, it's just very, it was just very interesting to hear Santhavec, at least in that moment, offer her presence as almost like a boon in a sense. Like, I can take on this hardship for you in this moment when that seems to be otherwise uncharacteristic. Now, it could very well serve her own personal motives or what have you, Though it didn't quite seem that way in the moment. It just seemed very interesting. So with, you know, Jeremy asking, I think that was a really good question. Like, does she like the party a little bit more? And I think that what we've gotten is that it's a very complicated answer. Where on the one hand, maybe she's tolerating us a little bit more. Though at the same time, TikTok, you know, there's a timer on this relationship one way or the other. And... You know, how what happens when that timer comes up and what speeds that up or slows that down could definitely affect her outlook on the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. Especially with like Santhavec needing to rely on Chatwin to relinquish that control. Uh it makes for like an interesting because that's why it was so funny to me that you were like, is Santhavec being nicer? Cause like, when G and I talked about Santhavec, it was this interesting idea of, like, they've been through hell and back together, they're stuck in the same body, but they want out. And Santhavec never had, never had any success simply just asking normally. So it kind of shows that in those moments where Santhavec is sitting around in the back of Chatwin's mind, sort of brainstorming, there are... There are thoughts going through her head, especially about 
how to finally get you to let her out. The question becomes, how does it work and with whom? Mm -hmm. And not to be all super deep about it, uh, <laughs> but so much of, um, I think, like, one of the main, like, things with Chatwin as a character and, like, as a, um, with her, like, her story and everything is just grief in general. Like, I feel like she's going through a lot of different stages of grief throughout the entire campaign. And it's this reoccurring thing that I don't know if it was ever said too much in game, but when she first escaped and then went back home and was with them for a few weeks before eventually running away and they caught her and were trying to ask, we just got you back. Why are you running away? It was a whole thing of like Chatwin trying and failing to explain to them, you have had years to grieve me and kind of move on and learn to live with the grief and everything. I just got here. I haven't grieved me yet. Like, and you don't understand that. That's why I'm not just going back to normal. Just because I'm home doesn't mean everything's going to be fine. Um, and in a weird way, uh, it's all a metaphor, man. Uh, <laughs> but Sandovac, it does kind of um, give me that vibe. It is kind of like a weird, horrible manifestation of like that grief. It just, it won't go away. They both want it. They both want to be done. They want it to be gone. They want to be separated from each other so they can both move on with their lives. And it's just, it's not going to go away. It's just something that she has and something that she lives with. And sometimes it's nicer and sometimes it's really, really horrible. Uh, <laughs> not to get all, oh, it's all a metaphor, man. But <laughs> I've thought about that sometimes. I'm like, it, 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 that's, it works really well in my mind that way. That's how I've always kind of pictured it. No, it is definitely an interesting dynamic for sure. And I'm interested to see how that sort of comes out in that moment, um, especially with what you said with like Chatwin's grieving process and where she is. Cause that, that process may feel long gone for her, but like that kind of level of trauma is a lot to put a character through. I know. <laughs> That's so fun. Absolutely. All right. Do we have any other questions? Yeah, I have a question for Chatwin. <clears throat> Does so your character um, went through a whole lot? It was just uh, Chatwin putting herself out there and then being slapped down so hard for that choice that just keeps reverberating. Do you think that going forward, Chatwin's ability to trust someone or ability to trust herself to put herself out, or out there is going to is going to lead to some type of character growth moment where Chatwin can just forgive what happened and then move on? I think eventually. I don't think I don't know if we would see it in the campaign. <clears throat> I feel like say everything went exactly according to plan, everything worked out. Um, somehow, you know, the Thane situation's been dealt with, um, all other campaign conflicts have been dealt with. We're, like, in, like, epilogue time or whatever. Um, say Sam the Vec is no longer at Chatwin's side. If, like, all that kind of stuff happened and it was kind of like, oh, okay, big problems are dealt with. I think Chatwin would straight up disappear. Um, I think she would, um, vanish off the face of the earth for a few years, if I'm being real. Uh, and I think all of that character growth is something that would need to happen when she's by herself. Because a lot of this is just, 
obviously the whole revenge thing, if she succeeds, if she does what she wants with uh, Donovan and the Arcanist and Santorum and all that, that's not going to solve anything. So I feel like she would eventually reach that, but it's not going to be something that we're going to see in the campaign. It would it would be a very sweet Easter egg for future, but <laughs> no, I think all is said and done, Chatwin would just peace out for several years um, and then maybe come back better. <laughs> Absolutely. And with that, do we have any other questions? I have a question. Well, I have <clears throat> questions for two two people. Jeremy, if you're back, I have a question for you. Hi. So my question for you uh, is, all things considered, you know, Damien's been through a whole lot of stuff. And for the most part, he's, from what I understand and what I've observed, he's done a lot to kind of keep himself more in check, keep himself stable, and kind of be that dad of the group, that kind of role. Now, with his own patron deity, one of being, you know, one of kind of anger and rage and almost wrath, so we'll speak, so to speak, blah, blah, and tongue tied here. Uh, how is Damien feeling about? I don't know if you can, or this is an appropriate question to answer, but how is Damien feeling getting more in touch with his own anger and these more negative emotions and bringing them to the surface more readily? So. Honestly, it's not very difficult for Damien because of a certain somebody bringing his wife back as a zombie. It is very easy for Damien to think of something to piss him off. But you utilizing it more often, it's why I don't do it a lot because it's very out of character. It's very it's not very Damien's style. He's more the calm one that tries to keep everybody in check and now he gets to let loose. Okay. Are there like any side effects kind of to it? Because if it is very out of character and very different, you know, anger being kind of what it is and drawing on such a traumatic memory of his wife being zombified and brought back, are there any kind of like side effects that make it so he's le it's also difficult to utilize or it's more so just because it's out of character? I have started making him a bit more distant from the party, talking less because it's hard for him to try and maintain like an angry state, right? So that's one of the reasons that I've tried to pull him back a bit, make him less social, because it, it does weigh on the mind to sit there and just get angry all the time. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. And I think with that, that is a pretty solid spot for us to end our Q&A. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed, please be sure to follow us for more as we move into the fourth arc of our campaign here soon, everybody. If you want to see more of us, such as our social media, uh, our Discord, and other podcasts that we're creating under our podcast network, Tabletop Tailspinners, uh, be sure to go find the link in the description to our link tree, which has everything you could possibly want for more of us. Thank you all again so much for listening. We're glad you joined us for this craziness and we will see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>